Welcome to our new series that we kicked off last week called Unstoppable, The Church Unleashed. Uh, we're continuing to journey through the book of Acts, and we finished the first quarter of it with the series Seize the 167, but now there's been a shift in the text. Uh, the followers of Jesus, who at the very beginning were told that they would announce the good news of Jesus to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, they've finally been forced to go out due to persecution. And the kingdom of God is spreading and it's being announced. As we saw last week, these followers of Jesus, they've gone out and they're, they're sharing the message and the miracles of Jesus with people who they had a history of hate with for generations. And, and why this is important is because it shows the transformative power of Jesus and the miracle that he's done in their lives and the miracles that he's doing in your life. He's still at work and he's still transforming lives. So if you haven't listened to last week's message, it's uh, available on YouTube, Facebook, podcast channels, Spotify. It's called You Are the Miracle. And I'd encourage you to watch that. But the reason it's important to recognize um, just the miracles and the transformation that God's doing in our lives is because sometimes we believe things, we think things, we believe that miracles can happen. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he can transform lives, but we don't necessarily know it. We, we haven't experienced it. Sometimes we refer to it saying like, there's head knowledge, but it hasn't connected with the heart knowledge. And as many of you are probably aware of my testimony, I was born and raised in the Christian home. Um, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior as a young age. I was baptized around the age of 18, and I believed the right things. I'd done the right things, or at least did my best to do the right things. But then I went to Bible college, and it wrecked me. After that, I, I walked away from anything that had to do with God, religion, Jesus, uh, for the following four years. And it's because I was wrestling with this tension kind of this head knowledge and heart knowledge type thing. This tension between believing all of the right things, the head knowledge, but then not experiencing those beliefs. Um, not, not experiencing them in my own life and not even witnessing them all the time in the lives of others. To me, it just felt like everyone was a fraud. So I hadn't truly experienced the deeper life that Jesus offers. I didn't know him truly know him. So tonight, I'm offering you an invitation. It's an invitation to experience a deeper life and a deeper relationship with Jesus. So turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible or if you want a digital Bible, go to uh, www.bible.com app. It will recognize the device that you're on and it will download the exact uh, Bible to your device. But Acts chapter 8, starting in verses 14, and we'll be reading through to verse 25. And tonight we're going to be looking at this guy, Simon, who came up last week in our text. Because as we saw, he was the local magician, wizard, sorcerer, and he had people eating out of the palm of his hand. He was amazing them with his tricks. But when Philip began proclaiming the good news of Jesus, people stopped looking to Simon and instead they were placing their trust in Jesus and they were being healed, they were being set free, and they were being baptized. 
Verse 13 even told us that Simon himself believed and was baptized. But what we're about to see in tonight's text is that this is only the beginning of the story. Because there's a difference between simply being amazed and being transformed. So let's read together, starting in verse 14 of Acts chapter 8. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, May your money be destroyed with you, for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts, for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed, that these terrible things you've said won't happen to me. After testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, and they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. There are some tensions within this text, right off the bat, such as verse 16, where they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. What, what, what does that mean? Because verse 17 says, it's when Peter and John laid their hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. So that's a tension right off the bat. And it's one that uh, different traditions, different faith traditions and denominations have debated and practiced differently. So what's going on here? Well, there's been a lot of debate about this and what it means for us as believers and what it means to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. But let's not forget this. The book of Acts and what we've been looking through up to this point, it's descriptive. It's not prescriptive, meaning it's describing to us what's happening in the early days of the church and the spread of the gospel, but it's not prescribing. It's not telling us how, the way it's always supposed to be done and what it will always look like. So as we saw last week, Simon had been the local magician or sorcerer, and he had people leading out of the palm of his hand. He was, he was amazing them with what he could do and the power that he had. But then Philip comes along preaching the good news of Jesus, and suddenly Simon begins losing that power. We, we see Simon eventually believing in Jesus because he's witnessing what's happening around him and he himself is baptized. But then we discover that part of the tension in this text is that he hasn't received or been filled yet with the Holy Spirit. And we can see this in the fact that he offers to buy it. Give me, give me this power that you have. Because you see, he has the head knowledge. He's witnessing things going on. He's saying, yeah, that, there's power there. But it's simply a belief. He, he doesn't yet know God. He hasn't experienced God for himself yet. And as we're going to see tonight, there's a difference between simply believing and actually knowing. James chapter 2, verse 19 says, You say you have faith for you believe that there's one God? Good for you. It's almost like the slow clap. clap. 
Even the de demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. So see, there's a difference between simply believing and actually knowing. So what does this mean for us? Well, tonight, I want to invite you to experience the deeper life in Jesus by becoming a knower of God. Like, it, that's, that's great if you believe, but Jesus invites us to go beyond belief and to actually know God. He invites us into the deeper life, which is an experience. So I want to invite you tonight to, to simply move from believing to, to actually experiencing the deeper life that he offers by becoming a knower of God. So the question we have to wrestle with through this text is how do we become a knower of God? How do we experience the deeper life? So the first thing that we can see is that we need to align our hearts with God's heart. See, I was going to describe this as getting your heart right, as we hear in Peter's rebuke, where he says, your heart's not right with God. But what I don't like about the way that this sounds is that it can give us a sense of kind of needing to have our ducks in a row before we can experience God. And, and we know that that's not the case. We know that's not true. And that's not what's actually being said here either. What God desires is your heart. He wants your heart and he wants to transform your heart. And it, so it's not about getting all of your ducks in a row so then you can have power. It's about surrendering it all to him, to live for him, not for ourselves. It's about Jesus having the power to do what he chooses. So aligning your heart with God's heart is about surrender. And the fact is, God will even help us in this. He, he, he will help us align our heart with his heart. The, there's a story in the Gospel of Mark where a father of a demon-possessed boy comes to Jesus asking for, for help. And, and Jesus says, that if you believe, if you have faith, and he cries out saying, I do believe, help my unbelief. And I think that's just a beautiful prayer and cry in demonstration of we can try and have it all together. We can try and have our ducks in a row, but there comes a point where we just have to surrender and say, God, I believe I, I'm aligning my heart with you the best I can, but I need your help. See, it's not getting completely rid of your doubts or not having any questions or living perfectly. It's about aligning your heart with God's heart. It's about putting your trust in Jesus, experiencing the deeper life that's found in him by shifting from a mere belief to actually knowing him deeply. You see, believing is about what we think, whereas knowing is about our experience. Let me explain. A belief, it's an idea, it's a conviction, it's a, it's a rule that may or may not be universally true. And beliefs are these faith-based assumptions, which may be subject to change. And that's why sometimes we can say, oh, I, I used to believe this, but, but now I can see the truth in this. And you, and you can change your thinking. Beliefs are still important, and, and we are told to put our belief and our faith in Jesus, and we're saved through faith and belief in Jesus. So there's nothing wrong with believing, but as author Shane, Shane Hips puts it, he says, to assume that belief is all we need 
is about as useful as looking at a menu and claiming it's as good as eating the meal. You see, if believing is the menu, then knowing is the meal. Where, where we taste it, our taste buds come alive, where we experience it for all of its goodness. See, the point of life with God is ultimately to enjoy the meal, not just to peruse the menu. Jesus invites us into a deeper life. He's inviting us to go deeper with him. And we go deeper by aligning our hearts with God's heart and then experiencing him through knowing him. Because knowing isn't an idea. Belief's the idea, but knowing is an experience. If someone pinches me, I don't just believe they pinched me. I know it. I experienced it. It doesn't reside in my head. It's, it's in my body. There's no debate. This is the deeper life that we're in, being invited into. This is the life that the people in the Samaritan village were experiencing. They were experiencing healing and being set free from bondage and captivity from this old way of life. They were experiencing a deeper life. And Simon wants it. He's losing his power. He's losing the sway that he had over his people. They were no longer amazed with what he could do because they were being set free. They were being transformed. So Simon sees this new power at work that's even greater and he wants it. But you see, Simon gets caught thinking that right belief, right thinking will simply get him this new power. He's in it for himself, and that's why he gets rebuked. You can have no part in this. Your heart is not right with God. In other words, his heart is not aligned with God's heart. It's not a surrender. He's trying to get power. So first, to become a knower of God, to experience the deeper life, you have to align your heart with God's heart. And then secondly, you have to invite the Holy Spirit to work in you. To, to come alive in you. See, we've talked about this before in our church, that the filling of the Holy Spirit, it's not a one-time event. It's not a one-and-done moment. We're told to continually be filled with the Spirit. I believe it's an ongoing activity and something that we need to keep seeking. I believe that the Holy Spirit is with every believer from the moment of conversion, from the moment you place your trust in Jesus. But I also believe that there's a deeper kind of knowing. There's a deeper presence of God in our lives that happens when we give ourselves over to him completely. When, when we, we do that act of surrender. And at that point, he fills us with his spirit. Just like Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, verse 17, he says, you know him, talking about the Holy Spirit, because he lives with you now and later will be in you. The, the technical term that we use to talk about this is a process known as sanctification. Now, don't let the big words scare you. In fact, it's actually one of our Christian and Missionary Alliance distinctives. The, the movement of the Alliance was founded on a fourfold gospel. It's Christ our Savior, Christ our Sanctifier, Christ our Healer, and Christ our Coming King. And the reason that our founder, A.B. Simpson, made it an Alliance distinctive isn't because it sounds good, but it's because it's in the Bible. It starts with the Bible. And we can see Christ our Sanctifier within the pages of Scripture. 
Essentially, sanctification is a maturing and it's a deepening of our intimacy with God. You see, it's something that's accomplished by Christ, his death and resurrection. It's brought into effect by the Holy Spirit. And it's something that can be seen in the way we live day to day. I I think the simplest way of describing it is just becoming best friends with God. When you commit to following Jesus and the way of Jesus and believing in him, you become friends with God, genuine friends. But you see, sanctification, it involves that something extra, that something more, which transforms an ordinary friendship into a best friendship. That's what Peter and John recognized was missing in Simon. You see, he hadn't given himself completely over to Jesus. He was in it for himself. He wanted the power of the Holy Spirit for his own benefit, for power, for control, for amazement. And just like in my testimony that I shared at the beginning, I had believed all the right things. I had the head knowledge. I I had even been baptized just like Simon, but I didn't truly know God. I... I'm sure there were times where I had glimpses, but I had never fully experienced him. And I didn't have a best friendship with God. And the way that I know that is because on December 31st of 2006, I had what can be called a crisis of sanctification. This this moment where I encountered God and I truly believe and remember being filled with the Holy Spirit. I was set free from this life of captivity that I had been living. And it was in that moment that I suddenly felt this shift from simply believing to truly knowing. Seriously, it cleaned me up right on the spot. The next morning, I I kicked my friends out of the house. I cleaned up. I I knew I had this call on my life to go into ministry. And the, the call into ministry isn't going to be on everyone's life. But for me, I knew I had to, to sell everything I had here in Hamilton, Ontario and move out west where I could further my education and follow the call that God was placing on my life. I had this sudden intimacy with Christ that I had never experienced before. And I always point back to that day and I know that my life was transformed on December 31st, 2006, or perhaps in the early hours of January 1st, 2007. But it's not just something that happens all at once. Sanctification is also a process. It's something that happens a little at a time. And that's why I love thinking about it in terms of a best friendship, because it's something that grows and evolves and deepens over time. Sanctification is a process of being made holy. It's becoming like our best friend. It's becoming like Jesus. You see, sanctification doesn't change what we do, but it changes who we are, which in turn changes how we live. So do you want to experience the deeper life and become a knower of God? Open yourself up to the Holy Spirit and invite him to work in you. And although sanctification is something that happens inside of us, it's a change that can be seen in the way you live. And therefore, the third thing we need to do is we need to let our life speak. 
You see, oftentimes this passage in Acts is used as part of the debate about what baptism of the Holy Spirit means and whether or not we all need to speak in tongues if we're truly saved. But I believe that that debate misses the point. It misses the power of the Holy Spirit that's able to wake us up and release us and restore us and transform us with the love of God. You see, speaking in tongues is just one gift the Spirit gives among many. In fact, Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 talks about how the gift of tongues doesn't actually help build up the body of Christ. It's this personal thing. And, and he talks about how if you come speaking in tongues and words that people don't understand, they're not even going to know what you're saying and what you're talking about. Rather, love needs to be our highest goal. See, what God desires for us is to experience the deeper life that's found in him. He wants us to know him, to truly know him. And as we continue to know him and deepen that best friendship, our lives will be marked by love. Because you see, what's more powerful, what's more powerful evidence of the Holy Spirit at work than a changed life? A life of love. Seriously, what's more powerful evidence? Speaking a foreign language or seeing a man who's abandoned his family have a changed heart, softened and transformed, and coming back to his family asking for forgiveness and doing all that with the help of the Holy Spirit so that he can restore and reconcile the relationship. What's more powerful evidence than someone who is known for their selfishness and greed, suddenly becoming selfless and caring and compassionate, taking care of those less fortunate. What's more powerful evidence than someone caught in the chains of negative thinking, lies, the distortion of who they are, but then discovering who they are in Christ and living into the fullness of who Christ has made them to be. What's more powerful than these evidences? That's what God's wanting. He's wanting us to align our hearts with his. He, he's wanting us to invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts and lives so that he can transform us. And he wants us to let our life speak. Speaking in tongues, sure, that can give evidence that, that the Spirit is within you. But so is kindness and patience and love and gentleness and self-control. And you see... It doesn't mean we're not going to make mistakes, but God puts within us the desire to do what's right. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can actually choose to do it. You see, it's because Christ lives in us that it's possible to live a holy life. And you may be thinking, well, that sounds nice, but it kind of seems to have this inward focus, this me and Jesus mentality that nothing or no one else matters. But that's wrong. I believe just the opposite. When we truly experience the deeper life, it will stir us to mission. This is what happened in the early movement of the Alliance. It stirred them to passionate prayer, the Holy Spirit's power for mission, to revival. It stirred them to passionate mission focus, to compassionate love for all, and to self-sacrificial generosity. You see, when Jesus commands his followers to go and make disciples, he's not saying go out and make believers. It's a call to make them followers. It's a call to make them students and learners. Because you see, a student is someone who's progressing from believing to knowing. Jesus wants people to know him. 
He wants us to experience him, not just to believe. He wants us to experience God's love rather than just to think rightly about it. He wants us to be set free from the old way of living to to this new life of love that's lived in and through him. See, Simon was amazed by the power of the Holy Spirit. He believed the power. He witnessed the power, but he hadn't experienced the power. He thought it was something that could be bought, hence the harsh rebuke. But the beauty of the gospel is that it's a gospel of grace, that we don't have to buy it. We don't have to earn it. It's simply available to us, to everyone. And the good news of Jesus, the gospel, is that there's grace upon grace and love for all. It's about opening ourselves up, surrendering ourselves to Christ. Have you put your faith in Jesus? Have have you trusted him as Lord and Savior? And have you experienced the deeper life that I'm talking about? Have you shifted from mere belief to actually becoming a knower of God? Let me ask you, is, is your heart aligned with God's? Have you experienced sanctification? Are you becoming best friends with God? And does your life speak of his redeeming love? I was recently asked this question, which spiritual fruit has been the most difficult for you personally to maintain throughout the COVID-19 crisis? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control? And it kind of took me by surprise because I thought it was a great way of posing the question. It made me think, which fruit are truly on display in my life? Patience has definitely been a tough one. Uh, I, I love having time to myself to recharge. And it's been a long time since I've had this. But I also realized as I was thinking through that list that joy's been difficult. I've been taking things in myself so seriously that I've lacked joy. But let me ask, which one resonates with you? Which fruit of the Spirit has been most difficult or the least evident in your life lately? And then ask yourself, is your heart aligned with God's? Or is there sin that's getting in the way that's holding you back? Am I living out of a deeper life with Christ? Is he helping me live differently on Monday and throughout the week than when I gather together online for the worship service? Jesus is inviting you to experience him in all areas of your life, not just on the weekends, not just for one hour of the week, all areas, all hours. There is more to life than simply believing the name of Jesus. He's a person. He's alive. He's at the right hand of God. And we're invited to experience life with him. So have you had a direct experience of a presence, a love, a peace that was bigger than you've ever known? It's one of those things that you can't necessarily prove to anyone else, but it's profoundly real to you. For me, that was New Year's, bringing in 2007. See, each of us will take our own path and our own journey from believing to knowing. I I, I understand that. 
But when you're there, when you experience, when you experience it, all the thoughts, all the debates about the nature of God and God's existence, it will just simply fall away. It will fall into the background because you will discover the person of Jesus and you'll find rest knowing Jesus and the deeper life that you're invited to experience. But it's an invitation. It's an invitation to align your heart with God. It's an invitation to invite the Holy Spirit to fill you. And it's an invitation to let your life speak so that others will be transformed by the love of Christ working in you. Will you accept this invitation? Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for being love. I pray that whoever's watching or listening to this message experiences you and experiences the deeper life that you offer us through your Holy Spirit working in us. Jesus, I pray that we don't stop or rest at simply believing in you because of what we've witnessed in others, but I pray that as we place our trust and belief in you, that with the help of the Holy Spirit, we too will experience you firsthand. I pray that as we align our hearts with yours, even if it means crying out for you to help us. And as we invite you to work in us, that we will be drawn into the deeper life, that we will experience a best friendship with you and that you will help us overcome sin and temptation. And may our lives speak of the hope, the help and the healing that's available through Jesus to everyone. God, for anyone who hasn't even placed their trust in you yet. I invite them to take a moment to do so now. To just say, Jesus, tonight I want to make you the king of my life. I want to follow you. I, I, I've messed up. I, I've been living for myself. I've disrupted the, the peace and harmony that you've desired for this world. But God, I want to make that right. And through you, I know that you make that possible. God, I'm making you Lord and Savior of my life. I'm committing to following you. Fill me with your spirit and help me live a life of love that will be evidence of the Holy Spirit working in and through me. We ask this in your name. Amen. So if you've prayed that prayer of accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, uh, congratulations. That's amazing. Let us know. Please uh, mention it in the comments. DM me, email me, whatever you want. I want to celebrate with you and journey alongside you in that. But uh, also, if you have more questions about experiencing the deeper life or aligning your heart with God or anything we've talked about tonight, reach out to us. Kevin at thewellbinbrook.com or my cell phone, 905-518-0168. I'd love to continue to help you experience the deeper life that Christ offers because the only thing I wish is that I I had have experienced it sooner. Uh, it was almost at the age of 25 for me, and I'm thankful that, that I have, and my life has been forever changed. And I just love uh, Jesus, and I have such a best friendship with Jesus, and I want you to experience the same. Uh, I'm also excited this week 
It's our marriage course that we're launching online Thursdays at 8. It's going to go for seven weeks. It's not too late to register. Uh, go to the, the wellbinbrook.com slash marriage. And we'd love to uh, walk alongside you and help you invest in your relationship with your spouse. Uh, continue to join us Saturdays at 5 p.m. as we keep gathering online together and digging into the book of Acts. Uh, next week, we're going to look at belonging and we're going to look at the Ethiopian eunuch and I'm excited for that. And also if you or somebody that you know is interested in baptism saying, I haven't taken that step of baptism and uh, I, I want to make Christ first in my life and I want to follow him and be obedient to him in the step of baptism, reach out to me. Again, Kevin at thewellbinbrook.com. Uh, simply just put baptism and I'll follow up with you. I'd be happy to do so. Um, let me leave you with this blessing from 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. May the grace and peace of Jesus be with you. Amen.